And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. Always a pleasure to have your company and always a pleasure to have Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money at the microphone again. Philippa, welcome. Thank you, Ray. Now, I've had a little bit of a break. I was actually up your way, and I've got to say, it's a beautiful part of the world up uh, northern New South Wales, southern Queensland, but it's becoming rarefied atmosphere when I keep on thinking about how many people are trying to enjoy the lifestyle up there. And we've talked about this on the, on the show before, all these southerners, all these Mexicans coming up your way, isn't it? Well, they've taken over the real estate. <laughs> they put people out on the street who now can't afford the rents. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's now, horrible, isn't it? It's, it's completely changed the demographics. Oh, well. Um, well, completely, but it is a beautiful part of the world. That's it true. It certainly is. And and I, I must say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what we're not going to be talking about today because today we are talking about Finfluencers. Now, what are Finfluencers, Philippa? I'll let you do the explanation of the funny-sounding term. They're financial influencers, and ASIC has had a chop at them about a month ago because predominantly the financial influencers or finfluencers habituate TikTok, the video platform, and YouTube and Instagram. Yes, and yes. what I've noticed is the age group is they're over the hill if they're over the age of 30. <laughs> so you've got these young people, um, and when I spent the four days excitingly over Easter break trawling these finfluencers, and I must admit I learned a lot. Oh, so did I, and, and, and I'll explain a little bit in a moment. But, yeah, please tell us about your wonderful Easter <laughs> research, researching finfluencers. Well, yes, I got all the ASIC information everywhere that it was published to see who was writing about the ASIC um, fight back. And basically ASIC have said it's a million-dollar fine or five years' jail if you are caught. They're not mucking around, are they? They're not mucking around. Well, given what ASIC has put us through as an advice industry to do a FASI exam and FASIC ethics exam before we've done the ethics course so that we can stay in advice, the regulation that's come on top of us, the educational requirements, being registered on the ASIC register to get there. If you haven't done the exam as of September, you're out of the industry. It's been an absolute nightmare. And here these young kids are getting information off the Money Smart website, parroting it through some jazzy little video setup that they've got in their lounge room, disclaiming that they're giving advice. But if you use crypto, this platform, you get a month free subscription. Um, you can, too, trade crypto and have the lifestyle that I've got. Classic <laughs> came back with a baseball bat. Well, let, let's talk specifics now because um, I, you sent me through a lot of your research and what ASIC actually did, ladies and gentlemen, um, so that you're aware, they do a lot of research. They don't sit on their hands. And I've got to say, I look, I do take my hat off a little bit because over the last sort of six months, I've been talking to Philippa here from Wise Girls Money. I've also had Peter Johnston from the uh, Association of Independent Financial Professionals on and you know, people have been railing about the way financial advisors have been treated and the way we are leaving the industry in droves because of the regulations. Now, all of a sudden, ASIC called to a invitation-only meeting back in the beginning of March, 
And they said to these people, please come and see us. We want to talk to you. And I always um, equate this to uh, when I used to be in the army and you got invited for morning tea with the commanding officer. It was never a good sign, let me tell you. It was never a good sign because the adjutant, <laughs> you'd be marched in and you'd be sat down and the tea was really lovely and and the commanding officer would be pouring the tea and say, shall I play mother? You know, do you want sugar and milk? But you're waiting for the baseball bat to be swung behind you because the adjutant's ready to wipe you out. And that's exactly what happened? About 30 popular financial influencers, known as Finfluencers, attended this invitation-only briefing with senior officials from ASIC uh, on a Wednesday evening, and they basically got told, you either get licensed or you get out. Mm. It's pretty abrupt, wasn't it, Philippa? Well, yes, and these young people, because they don't know what real financial advice is, um, simply thought that this disclaimer that they rabbited that they're not a financial advisor, they're not talking about your personal financial circumstances, you ought to go and see a proper financial advisor. But while you're about it, if you yes. use this platform, but you'll make money. Case. Yes, just and in so, case. Um, it wasn't until I ploughed through um, each of these sites on TikTok, the kind of videos that they were producing, the words that they were using and the language around it, um, the the number of sheer number of videos that they were coming up with all very jazzy and very young because what they're trying to do is jump into a market where true financial advice is becoming very difficult for people to afford unless you're quite well off. And so they're filling this gap by educating, just as Ray and I do each time we speak and Ray's um, podcast is designed specifically around financial education. The and, thing is with, yeah, it, it's, with the Finfluencers, it's good, though, they're it's aiming to make, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, they're, they're aiming to make money on the side. This is their side hustle. And so there's there's a quite a few of them and they're very young and a lot of young Americans are hopping on this financial literacy bandwagon and clearly um, with the economic growth, they're trying to work out how to get a foot in the housing market, how to set up their portfolios, I can understand it, but the source of information is what ASIC was worried about because after everything that we have to go through to even stay in business as an advisor <laughs> yeah. and, the, you know, that CPD points every year, um, it was becoming so stressful that when I'm doing this, I'll just digress for a minute, I'm doing a mental health survey on our industry to see where we're up to with the onslaught of legislation and the effect on the industry and the mental health. And I have to say that over the last few days when these 800 um, people responded, 71% were men, 19% were women, when I, they, I then came up with a spreadsheet that my statistician sent me of 8,000 comments, right? Wow. I had to plough wow. through them all and it took me a day. The first section on the mental health was so appalling that I had to take a break. And, I, and I've been in this field a long time, as you know. So there these kids are, clueless about what it is to be a real advisor, and so they were making money off what's known as affiliate links. Now, that means that there's somebody's website who's a crypto trader or a day trader in the stock exchange or whatever these guys do, and they make recommendations on what to buy and hold and sell. Now, I did all of these courses many years ago when you could get away with um, 
doing share trading courses over a weekend and learn how to use the software. Um, that was fine. Um, but, but the influencers are actually using social media to spruik a message that they are the so-called expert. And that was what that's what ASIC has put a stop to because yeah. they've said a lot of young people have changed their behavior and this is the this is the key to giving advice they're changing their behavior based on what they're learning from these fin influencers and investing accordingly now i i might just uh, interrupt some very small and and just add in there philippa that part of this research that you sent me they talk about here asic saying the definition of financial product advice is broad and deliberately so and the difficulty for a lot of these finfluencers that by they think that by saying a disclaimer without mm. having a license they're scot free but the problem is the very possibility that you're discussing investment decisions or strategies and could in fact influence people to do something this was a position that asic said to the finfluencers it resembles that of the high court which ruled last year in a landmark mm. dispute between asic and westpac yes that wherever consumers have a reasonable expectation they are receiving professional financial advice the laws should apply now i'm sorry young kids that are out there with the social media chant if you are purporting to make somebody wealthy then guess what there is a reasonable expectation that you are setting about that you know what you're talking about so the ability to sit there and say hey go and invest in this but hey you can't come back at me i got to tell you Uh, that's the kind of stuff i'm seeing in the political campaign cycle at the moment mm. where people are saying well it's all political you can't attach it to me well guess what it can be attached and the regulator took a very very dim view of it didn't they they did and here's the thing you have to be very careful when you're talking about product because if you're saying to someone you i got rich by using this product that's advice and the other <laughs> thing that it asic- certainly is Asik has said you cannot discuss your life story the rags to riches story because that's assuming that they're going to get to, and making the assumption that if they change their behavior and use this product that made you rich that it's going to do the same for them and yeah. that was why Asik also came after them yeah it's called misleading somebody <laughs> yeah and that's right so yeah. what it's done it's caused an interesting flummox really because by closing down the australian um young people um like they're in their early 20s and going on about financial literacy and terminology and what have you um and then just getting their information off google or someplace else or the money smart website and parroting it they do educate but here's the thing how how do you know when you've crossed the line and this is what asic has jumped up and down about so what it did do well it, took the Australians out of the market it's opened up to the Americans and there are millions of them I got to tell you right <laughs> all weekend I actually got hold of one young woman she would be a young black lady somewhere in the southern states of America um clearly had done well she had the whole blog thing going on on her YouTube channel with um the lifestyle blogging that these young women do with recipes and babies and you know the way they have their pregnancies and everything else and suddenly come across this thing on financial literacy because she said I've been asked imagine this is a southern american accent I've been asked how do I make this well I can tell you that I don't know anything about advice I don't know anything about finance and I know financial literacy is complex so let's get started <laughs> so what I did this is no word of a lie painstakingly 
I carefully recorded on my phone. And, of course, my phone, as they all do these days, transcribes, right? Right. So it took me quite a few goes because I'd be stopping and starting this half-hour video, <laughs> and I transcribed it so I could read for myself because I'm a reader rather than audio Right. Um, when I'm researching. So that's just after doing so many qualifications, you get used to that methodology of research. Don't, don't we all, yeah. Yeah. So I carefully scrutinised all these this language Again, I used to teach English as a second language a long time ago, um, and I looked at the language, the way it was phrased, and sure enough, um, she's discussing money mindset. Now, we're going straying off not just financial literacy here but into the field of psychology. Yeah. And so I looked at this stuff and I thought she's got all these subscribers because she's young and these young ones relate to her, and that is the deal right there is because they think that if they follow these younger people who look as though they know what they're talking about, and that's what ASIC got concerned about, and here's the thing. The Americans are now stepping into the market that has been shut down for the Australians. And at what point do you think, okay, the young ones in Australia were certainly bringing up the topics of financial literacy and getting young ones to think about it and go do their own research or what ASIC was worried about, listening to these people and actually going and doing, which is a bit like that book that was sold by an Australian um, person, um, Mr Pape, and he was running a subscription stockbroking service behind the scenes and ASIC shut that down. Because the thing is in those books, what alarmed me was that there were product recommendations for Host Plus and the ING Bank, clearly stated in the book's pages. Um, and in the end... The trouble you've got with this, on one hand, ASIC's done the right thing and closed down um, advice giving, in other words, product promotion. If you use this product, you'll get hit this, this and this. But at the same time, they've um, discouraging, and I'll have to go and do a bit more research now that it's been a month because these people are told immediately to go and review all their old videos they're to delete any videos that looked as though they were providing any kind of advice, so they were not given any leeway by ASIC at all. Yeah, yeah. There was no grandfathering here. If you can keep your old videos, you have to clean them out and get rid of them. So, look, we might take the opportunity. We're at uh, station announcement break time. So you're here on Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. You're here with me at the microphone with Philip Hunt from Wise Girls Money. And we are talking everything to do with Finfluencers, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, etc. And we're just going to go for a short station announcement and we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're here on Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. And at the microphone, I have Philippa Hunt, my regular contributor from Wise Girls Money. Now, we are talking today about Finfluencers. And look, one of the things, ladies and gentlemen, I might make a point. When I first started Dollars and Making Sense, I started with a guy called Henry Jennings, who was with Marcus today. And Henry moved on. And then I started doing the show with two ladies, Karen and Lisa, who were very interested in investing, but they didn't have formal qualifications. And so uh, we emerged again uh, last year with Philippa and also Phil Osborne, who is my partner in our financial services licensing group. Now, there's been this lovely evolution of dollars and making sense. And the one thing that we've always been keen on doing 
is financial education. We don't recommend product. We mention products every now and then, and it's rare, i got to say, because this is community radio and we're not allowed to. And I guess part of the thing from my perspective, and I think, Philippa, you'd be a, a big supporter here, is that financial education doesn't work well if you're trying to pitch a product. So we try and keep that right out of it. So with that in mind... This really piqued my interest as well, because one of the things, and we'll get to in the next session of the show, is that because I do run a financial services license, I've actually been approached by Finfluencers, two Finfluencers in the last four weeks to become licensed. So we're going to park that one for the moment. Now, before we went to the break, Philippa, you mentioned that ASIC basically said to these guys, there's no grace period, you're shutting down. Now, I, I read here, penalties for unlicensed financial advice can include up to five years jail and $1 million fines. Mm. And with the Finfluencers scrambling to make adjustments, they said, look, there's no grace period and lamented one prolific YouTuber with half a million followers. Honestly, that could take years. And I felt like going, wah, wah. I mean, <laughs> we're talking now. And given the fact that we've been talking so much with Peter Johnston and you've been dealing with the mental health of financial mm. advisors who have been put under the hammer Ugh. big time about having the proper credentials and being correctly licensed and CPD, that's professional development hours that have to be done every year. And when I hear, hear a bunch of 20-somethings sitting there whining about the fact that i got to shut my YouTube channel down, uh, it's like you guys have been cheering the fact that financial advisors have been shoveling out the door by their thousands because we don't have a job anymore. Now, Philippa, there's got to be, is there a balance there or is ASIC doing the right thing here? ASIC's doing the right thing. And I'll tell you why I know that, because I've been in the industry over 20 years. Um, I've got my own licence like you. Mine's more to do with um, retail clients and what have you. And so I can tell you that I've seen, as you have, Ray, the evolution of advice from when I started um, right through Financial Services Reform Act in 2003-04 through mm -hmm. the financial, future of financial advice reform. Oh, yep. Yep, in 2013. Um, 1 July 2013 and implementing it over that year and the best interest duty and what have you. Then, of course, we ended up with the Banking and Royal Commission. Um, and something occurred to me this morning, and I'm going to put it put it out there, um, this is a very roundabout way and it just, you know, you have these flashes of insight and I <laughs> yeah, thought. all the time. What do they call them, epiphany? Epiphany, yes, yes. When, uh, my yeah, Catholicism star, coming out here. <laughs> yeah, the star in the east. Ah, yes, yes, that one. Anyway, what occurred to me was when, and I digress and I'm coming back to this and this is why, when they had the trail income was ceased, that income was from paid by fund managers from forever ago to advisors that look after their small clients. Never went, it never had anything to do with clients. It was from the, the contract was the fund manager to the advisor. It was to Bob in terms of value. It really was very small. But it kept the doors open when they were starting their practices and years later it kept the doors open to give pro bono advice and subsidise people with low balances like single mums and elderly widows. Along comes the Banking and Royal Commission and they said, no, no, it's got to stop but it has to be paid to the client. Well, it can't be paid to the client because there was no contract mm. from the fund manager to the client. So that just could not happen. So it went back to the fund managers. They just stopped it. 
But here's the here's the kicker: the banks own the fund managers. Yeah. yeah. So it actually went back to the banks, and what did that do? Repay the banks for having to pay out um, fees for no service that they were charging, including dead people. So they got it all back again. Did they ever? And it never went to the clients. Now here's the second thing. When I'm looking at all of these powers, like fee consent forms that have been dumped on advisors in the last six months, the trustees, if they disagree with the fees, and I'll explain to your listeners, the trustees of a super fund are the ones who administer the Act, Superannuation Supervision Act, for the actual fund itself. And they have admin teams now that will take, and here's the the worst part of it, Ray, they'll take me as my own licensee, got nothing to do with the banks and institutions, just like you. They'll look at my advice because um, Mr Smith has his super fund with a bank-owned super fund, right? Now, the trustees of that fund have been told, and they hate this and they were forced to do it, they have to assess my advice and they're not advisors. They're no more qualified than these finfluencers. Mm. They're not registered. They're not faceted. With, with the exam, none of it, and yet they can say to me, I don't like your advice, you're not going to be able to charge that fee because I've decided it's not worth the value, even no. though the client has seen off. It's nuts, off. isn't it? It's Hang just on. nuts. Yeah. But the thing is, the bank's owned the fund manager. So this is a stealth way of getting rid of advisors by literally putting them out of business by the back yeah. door. The conflict but, is so glaring, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but the finfluencers have now been smacked for giving advice inadvertently or whatever with, to their half million followers and there's no grace period. They have to go back through all their videos. In other words, they actually have to shut their site and their business down because if you have been putting out videos for the last two years since the start of the pandemic and you've been doing it every week, um, that's hundreds of videos you have to curate. So basically put them out of business. Um, now, I don't know whether these guys actually had the finfluencing as their main source of income or whether it was a side hustle, as we call it in the internet world. So the thing that, that I'm drawing these two together, that while the trustees of the super funds who are not qualified have been instructed by ASIC to evaluate my advice, they've turned around and said to these finfluencers, you're not qualified, you can't give advice, we're shutting you down. Well, hello? Yeah. What gives? It is. I'm, it, it, I'm, it, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. it, it it's counterintuitive, isn't it, when it's, you think well, about it's, it? It's wrong on every level. And the trustees are scared in case they get it wrong. Um, but they've been told, it's not in the legislation, I checked with Phil Osborne. So the thing that is odd here, well, the influence have been scrambling to make adjustments to their content and clean out the videos that might look as though they're giving advice. They're now very constrained about what they can actually say. And one um, young woman who had quite a following, she said, you can go and read it on the ASIC website, but I can't tell you. I can't speak about it on YouTube. That's how she's interpreted it. Yeah, it's so foolish. It, it's it petulant. Is. It's it's absolutely petulant. But um, the thing is the that degree. The, now what the advantage for advisors in all of this, and I'm working this out myself, that if they've closed this down, there is a gap in the market. Um, is there a space for advisors, which is the path I'm going down, to do financial influencing like you and I do with education and community radio and the blogs we put on our website and the Course Wise Girls Money Academy, which I'm about to launch 
once I finish the mental health survey um, and reports published next week. Then there is room for people who can, and women who can't afford advice to go and get educated. But the thing is, it's one thing, Ray, to read this stuff on a website, but actually be taught how to do it is a financial competence and a skill that people can only learn when they're doing something like a course which means if influencers can't run those either because they're not registered. I totally agree. And and everybody's different. And I think mm. the, the ability of financial education to be consumed across the board and across many spectrums of age, uh, background, socioeconomics, et cetera, needs to be wide and varied because not everybody can sit and watch a YouTube video, become cognizant and, and competent. Mm. Some people, I mean, I, for example, I'm a classroom kind of guy. I like to be in front of a person. I like mm. the interactivity. I like to be able to ask questions. Mm. You can't do that with a video, can you? You just got to sit there and, you know, consume and, mm. and hopefully you get it. But everybody's different. And one of the things that I think that really strikes me with Finfluencers, um, I, I did my market wrap just recently for Dollars and Making Sense. And because crypto is one of those loopholes in this uh, this crackdown that ASIC have... Uh, yeah, unregulated. Have, it's totally unregulated. And yet one of the things that I've been reporting on in my market wrap is that over a billion dollars, that's a B, a thousand mm. million dollars in the last 12 months has been stolen from crypto mm. vaults through hacking and the like. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the latest uh, particular one that was done through a gaming platform, all of a sudden, these consumers that get ripped off, guess who they're turning to for compensation and recompense and to be able to vent to somebody and say, but I've just had my money stolen. It's the government. And here mm. in this country, that ends up being the regulator. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when you're sitting out there and for any influencer, finfluencer that's listening to this and you sit there and say, oh, you're just baby boomers and old farts who don't like the fact that we're there. No, not at all. You are absolutely welcome to be in this industry. Mm. But you've got to go and do the financial education like everybody else. You've got to get licensed like everybody else. You've got to be insured like everybody else because that's called a level playing field and you've also got to be a member of AFCA because if you do happen to screw up, a consumer needs to be able to go and have recourse against your advice and they need to be able to complain to a government body if you've done the wrong thing because guess what, Philippa and I have lived through how many financial scandals Oh, and the, the banks, I mean, so many. And there are, I mean, Peter Johnston was going nutso about the the compensation scheme of last, last resort. resort. You know, and this is all about being able to pay consumers back money that they got ripped off. And so here's my thing to all the influencers saying we're spoiling their party. No, we're not. We're trying to make the party better for everybody. Mm. And that's why I think right now part of the, I, look, I get it. They've been on a good thing. They've done something pretty neat and innovative. Look, I've seen these YouTube videos. They're cool. They're mm. certainly far cooler than me. Heck, that's why I do radio, Philippa. I've got a head for radio. You see me on a video, <laughs> all you see is lots of shine off my forehead because I'm losing my hair. It's not fabulously attractive. I get it, okay? But guess what? The level of advice and the level of education that they get from somebody that's 23 should be just as competent as somebody that's 63, for God's sake. And I think that's the issue, isn't it? Yep. And here's the thing. To be an advisor in an industry, when you first come out of uni, you've got to do a professional year. Yeah, PY. Just like a, yeah, just <laughs> like an accountant. 
and very few businesses with the stress that they're under and trying to stay alive can't bring young ones through anymore. And the banks have got out of advice and now that they have come round through the back door via the fund managers and are giving advisors a hard time, you suddenly see these digital platforms popping up everywhere for digital advice. I found one the other day. And um, suddenly all of this stuff um, is because the banks then go and buy it. Now, here's the thing that really annoyed me. <laughs> Do you know we did the session on Buy Now, Pay Later? Yeah, yeah, BNPL, yep. Have you seen the number of banks that have jumped into this space? Oh, Visa, MasterCard, Latitude oh. Pay, they're all there. They're yeah, all the there. banks, the banks. I mean, excuse me? PayPal. PayPal's now offering four instalments. Oh, but the thing is but the banks are institutions that are meant to be the safeguarders of money. No. Who told you that? Who told you that? I, I said meant, meant to be, Ray, <laughs> the was funny, the operative word. That's the funniest thing I've heard all day. Since yeah, when? Well, I don't think their shareholders agree with you. But the thing is that they're now going into that hole, creating the debt trap just as easily as, as they used to. Do you remember in the days they used to send you unsolicited credit cards in the mail? Heck, I was the I was eight on the day after I turned eighteen. A bank card arrived in the mail from my mm. uh, stamped with the bank that I was banking with. It was one mm. of the big four, mm. and there I was. I was earning at the time twenty four thousand dollars a year as a as um as an army apprentice tradesman, mm. and they gave me a credit card with two thousand dollar limit, and I was only earning twenty four grand. Now all That's my, my mates. All my old mates went out there, went, happy days. Look, I've just been given two grand. They didn't tell them, hey, you've got to pay yeah, that back. With interest. <laughs> and, and, think, and, and it was yeah. 18% at that time. Yeah, it still is. It's, now, no, listen, it's 24 I, now. That's is just it the, higher? Here's the thing. Higher. If you pay the minimum repayment, you'll take 10 years to pay it off. Oh, it's crazy. And, no, and, what, but the, what they're doing now with the BNPL, where they weren't now no longer allowed to send unsolicited credit limit raises and credit cards through the mail, they've done the next worst thing and jumped into being yeah. buy now, pay later. I want a piece of that action myself. And look, oh. with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, we're at station break time again. It, it, this time just flies by when we're getting really riled up, isn't it, Philippa? <laughs> but look, it's time for a station break here. You're on Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. I'm here at the microphone with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money, and we are talking Finfluence. Finfluences, it's a bit of a mouthful, but we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. I'm at the microphone today with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money, and we are talking Finfluencers. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've mentioned this before. I am licensed to be able to provide advice in financial uh, spheres, as Philippa is, as she is licensed as well. Now, we've been talking about how people are operating in social media platforms today unlicensed. Now, within my own financial services license, Philippa, in the last month since ASIC's crackdown, I've actually had a couple of influencers knock on our door and say, well, listen, we want to do the right thing. We want to become licensed. And so obviously we said, great, come on and let's have a chat. Now, we apply the same rigour for a financial planner that we would to a Finfluencer or anybody walking through the door saying, hey, I want to be able to get an ASIC number and be on the register to be able to give advice. 
Now, I've got to tell you, Philippa, it was an illuminating couple of discussions because here were two uh, reasonably elderly guys. They weren't what I'd say youngish, like the the ones that we've been discussing, but they had um, Facebook presence, they had uh, YouTube videos, that one was dealing in options and another one was dealing in shares. And so when we talked about background, that, oh, I've been trading this much, I've been trading that much, I went, great. Um, what education do you have? You know, Have you been to university? Have you got a degree in applied economics or finance? Uh, no. Okay, so you're talking about the school of hard knocks. Yes. Oh, okay, fine. Cross against you. Okay, how are you promoting yourself? You know, do you have disclaimers? And so when we looked at the disclaimers, the disclaimers were nowhere near the kind of thing that ASIC require. And I guess the real punch that uh, there were two final questions that were the big knockout punches for me. Are you a member of AFCA? What's AFCA, Ray? The Australian Financial Complaints Authority. So that if somebody has a problem with you, they have an authority to be able to go to. Um, no. And lastly, I said, are you insured? And again, stunned silence. And so, ladies and gentlemen, it took me basically five minutes to be able to dismantle these two influences because they were trading in a manner that was dangerous, not just to themselves with the law, but also to everybody that was listening to them. Now, Philippa, you and I have come across how many people in our travels that are out there trying to trade wares and they're not allowed to do so, are they? No. And that's the whole point of trying to keep with the law, trying to keep up with the technology, is a lot of these platforms are digital um, and ASIC are trying to keep up with the increasing digitisation, if I could use that word. Yes, absolutely. Fin financial information. And it's global. That's why we have so many Americans doing financial literacy on YouTube. Ray, it's eye-watering, the numbers of them. Yeah. And um, they're also very young. Now, the thing is that to get experience in this industry, you've got to go through your university degree, your professional year. It takes five years after that to become a decent advisor, knowing what you do. And so with the way the industry is at the moment, with the level of regulation and compliance, Jane Hume, the minister, current minister, finally admitted the other day that the path <laughs> on the way in was very thin, that we don't have enough people coming into the industry. Did she actually acknowledge that? Yes, she did, because we've been telling her that for years. About time. And then finally, when you get, you know, a couple of hundred people graduating out of their Bachelor of Business and Finance and Accounting who take one look at the financial industry, planning industry, and go, no, I'll be an accountant, thanks. And yeah. so we don't have the pathway in. And once the banks got rid of their advisors two years ago, um, they were the training ground. And so they've all gone because they're wanting to go into apps on your phone, um, digital advice. That's why they're rubbing their hands with glee at the back of the fund managers that they own. Um, I'll give you one fund manager, but I won't tell you who the bank is, but you'll figure it out. It's Colonial <laughs> First State. <laughs> yeah. And so they have very prescribed rules. And not only that, what's come through in the survey is it, and I knew this because my governance manager was one of the top governance managers in a seriously large fund manager, and he's brilliant. And he said at the time to Jane Hume, in my presence, every trustee will have different forms because of their own risk management systems. And what did come through on the survey I was reading yesterday on the comments 
There are so many forms that these people have to fill out and the clients are over it. They've had enough. I bet. And so these forms have to go back, the fee consent forms, to their various fund managers with their private and confidential information. So these influencers serve a purpose, I think, with raising awareness. It's how they go about doing it. So if they just want to chat on their YouTube about superannuation contributions that they've got it off the Money Smart website and they actually acknowledge their source of information, that's one thing. But when they start saying, well, you can do superannuation contributions and the rules have changed and you can do X, Y, Z, so if you put this kind of money in there um, and use exchange-traded funds, you are right in advice. You bet you are. That is exactly. absolutely Exactly. So that's advice. what they have to learn, that it's one thing talking about a subject as though you know what you're talking about and it sounds good and that's why ASIC decided to crack down on it because they didn't understand because they're not educated in advice that they're actually straying into advising territory. Well, I think the the regulator also got involved because consumers start knocking on their doors and start saying, hey, I'm losing money to scammers. And this is also the issue. And they're, they're mm. not saying that Finfluencers necessarily are scammers, but no. it's not that much of a stretch to then, you know, when you've got half a million followers, that's going to attract scammers. It just does. It's like, you know, bees to honey, it's going to happen. And I think that this crackdown is well overdue. I think what's disappointing sometimes, though, is in the research that you sent through to me, Jane Hume is quoted uh, as saying that uh, in a speech earlier in the year to the stockbrokers and financial advisors at annual conference, she said the TikTok influencer spruiking Nokia is not that different to the bloke down at the pub who the wants pub. to tell oh. you that wants to tell you all about a really great company he's just invested with, but with a much louder voice. This isn't financial advice. And, you know, <laughs> what's hilarious, this is the minister, minister. saying it, and then the regular com regulator comes out not a couple of months later and basically says, you know, sorry, lady, you, you really don't know what you're talking about, even though you're the minister, and we're sh shutting these people down because she obviously has no idea at the kind of volumes that are going through these places mm. and the Correct. kind of influence that is actually occurring. Yes. And there are, look, I 39%, think 39%, Ray, 39% of young people have changed their behaviour and in investments based on what these influencers have recommended. And and for for the vast majority, it's a good thing. If they're going to Money Smart, how many times have we mentioned Money Smart on, on our program? Yeah, hundreds. hundreds. And so I'm totally cool with that. But what I don't have on you know any of our blogs or anything is saying, hey, go and buy this product at the same time, because that's the difficulty. These affiliate marketing arrangements that they've got, they're insidious. And so you're absolutely right. When you've got the kind of discussion that occurs and then all of a sudden it strays into, oh, and by the way, while we're here, let's have a shameless plug for blah, 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 mm -hmm. and here we go. And, yes, it's no surprise that ASIC have, in their terms, become concerned. <laughs> well, it's not before time because it gives advisors a break, right? Oh, absolutely. It means that we can absolutely. actually plug that gap of putting up our own financial literacy videos and video channel which i've got and now that wise girls money academy oh by the way i forgot to tell you i've shortened the course to actually six sessions which are the actual technical modules as you start at the beginning and work your way through um, with the teaching sessions in our two and a half hours one night a week and so you actually get the teaching remember you said you like to turn up to a classroom mm. and 
the handouts you actually have to fill in. So it's like going to a uni lecture but not to that level. And so by the time you come out of your six sessions, you've done both the psychology and the finance in the same week. Okay. Well, So I got the feedback back from the guys who said it's too long. People don't have that concentration span anymore having worked from home for two years. And again, I'd also highlight one of the really nice things that I do like about what the kids are doing in this TikTok and YouTube space is that they are gloriously short and to the point. And I think uh, people our generation yes. can certainly learn a lot from uh, you know, brevity is always well appreciated. Now, mm. one of the things that I do want to focus on as well in when we're talking about fin- Finfluencers as we move forward, um, and I get asked this all the time, You've got to be able to sort the wheat out from the chaff, to use an old saying. And one of the things that, you know, the corporate regulator cracking down, I think, is is good in that we're going to hopefully weed out people that aren't qualified and shouldn't be in there. But what it will also then do is hopefully open up the market to the kind of, uh, I think, solid people that are out there doing a good work in the financial education arena. Now, the things that I've always said to people, always be looking for something called a car number, so corporate authorised representative or an AR, authorised representative number, and you should be able to look that number up on the ASIC database. So you'll be able to find out specifics about who that person is, Mm. how long they've been in the business, and be able to look them up and say, okay, what are their credentials? And Mm. then also tie them back to a licence so that they have a licensee, and that's called an AFSL, an Australian financial services license and again depending on the kind of product that they are or are not um, I guess promoting they may also need for example to have an Australian credit license and so all of these things are there for a reason they're not there just to be an embuggerance to business they are there to protect people and I think when I think the kids that have been doing this Finfluencer stuff get over their their little petulance being shut down to begin with, they, like you, I think, Philippa, should understand this is a great opportunity, you know, and... and For advisors. For advisors. And, and I mean, that means, look, if you're good at being in front of a video and doing TikTok commercials and uh, doing TikTok sessions, great, continue it on. And at the same time, go and get educated. Go and get your proper qualifications so that you do pass what you need to do to be qualified and properly registered and licensed in this game. Because I think the biggest fear, Philippa, and you've said it yourself, when they get shut down, all of a sudden you get this flood of Americans coming in. And it's not that I necessarily love or hate Americans per se, but they're going to be there trying to squeeze every buck out of you. They don't care about you. They care about making money. Mm. And so I, I would always be very, very careful. How many times have I also said, caveat emptor, buyer beware? I mean, really. Also, their financial system over there is vastly different and unregulated from ours. Well, far greater. And, you know, the, the difficulty there, because it is so unfettered uh, in, in that regard, um, you know, I, I've I've got to say, you know, again, be wary. You know, you know the research that you sent through to me, you know, when they're t- telling uh, telling me right now that 28% of young people say they followed at least one Finfluencer on social Correct. media. Um, mm. Right now, unless they're licensed, that's one too many. That's one too many. Yeah, this is the thing if, with looking at the gap that's now being created. That happened about a month ago. Mm. So what I thought I would do is um, after I've got this survey published and out there is to go back and have another look at who's still there. 
and what they've done to clean themselves up because ASIC will be following it with great interest as well. Oh, you bet they will. Because there's one fella in Perth um, that they're now suing or taking to court anyway um, because of the what he's been flogging. I think it was crypto. And But one of the things we, you've got with property and crypto is the fact that they're unregulated. And if property, to sell property, you had to be um, regulated, all the, finance, uh, all the estate agents would go out of business overnight. And so property not being a financial product, anyone can sell a house. So I think there's an opening for advisors to jump into this space and do something constructive and really get into educating people. I think you're right. And I think it's just a matter of not just people our age, I, I think, Philippa, and look, I, I love IT, but we've got to embrace new ways of doing and being able to reach out to different uh, to different markets. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity. So, look, we're just yeah. about out of time today. I, I'm always surprised at how quickly we zoom through the time here. But, yeah. look, um, we've always been about education. This is, you know, what you spend most of your day now doing is mm. is providing that kind of background and education for people. And I like to think we do the same thing uh, at Dollars and Making Sense. So please have a look through our blog, check out Philippa's blog as well. There's some really, really good financial education mm. articles there. Good. And they're free. They're absolutely free. Yeah. And we don't mind people pouring over this stuff. And I don't mind it being copied as well. As long as it's uh, properly referenced, I don't mind mm. one iota. Philippa, always a pleasure to have you at the microphone here at uh, Dollars Making Sense. Thanks so kindly for your time. Thank you, Ray. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. All the best. <laughs>